Well, we're going to um, finish up here in, 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 in very brief fashion uh, the series that we've uh, started two weeks ago. It's going to be very brief fashion because my, my notes aren't up here. My Bible was, but my notes aren't. But that's just as well because it'll make me be briefer. Um, we're, we're continuing our study on the gifts of the Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's also in your bulletin. And I, as you're turning there, want to read from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. A quick study of the word this morning. 2 Timothy 2.4 says this. Start with verse 3. Endure hardship with us, the Apostle Paul says, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. No one, no soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And the picture there is, the, is, is that of a, a, a military personnel who has been stationed at some foreign country or foreign town or something. And this military personnel doesn't get overly involved in the affairs of that town because his purpose for being there is to carry out the will of his commander. And if he was preoccupied with civilian affairs, he wouldn't be able to hear the voice of his commander. So he, stay, he keeps from being totally preoccupied with civilian affairs. He seeks to please his commander. And then 1 Corinthians 12 that we've been studying the last couple days, weeks, starting with verse 7. Now to each of you the manifestation of the Spirit is given. There's my sermon. I'm telling you. This church is a bunch of kleptomaniacs. You don't come from California, do you? We just have a normal church. Normal Sunday, you know, have a liturgy go through it, it'll be fine. Now to each one of the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, to each there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. We talked about that. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And He gives them to each one, to each one, to each believer, just as He determines. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, God, that, that You would really be present here as I bring forth this word, God. Um, this is such an urgent thing for the church today to get a grip on, and to get a grip on it in a balanced, confident way, Lord. Lord, there's a lot of obstacles that some of us have towards accepting this and receiving it because of tradition or because of past abuse or just because of fear or whatever, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would be active as, as the word's going forth. Be active to, to pull away, Lord God, the scales of our eyes and un, unclog our ears that we could see who you are and what you have for us with these gifts. In your name we pray. Amen. We saw... Real quick review, two weeks ago that these gifts are called the pneumatikoi in 1 Corinthians 12.1. He calls them the pneumatikoi. Pneumos, the Greek word for spirit, uh, and tikoi means pertaining to. So these are things that distinctly pertain to the spirit. Spiritually inspired, supernatural gifts of God. We saw that the Lord gave them to the church partly as a result of he wanted to celebrate the victory that he won over Satan on the cross 
Ephesians 4.8 tells us that when, when he ascended up on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men, the spoils of his victory. And, and part of the reason why the church has the gifts is that God is celebrating the victory that he, he won on Calvary. But he's also, secondly, equipping the church to finish off that victory, to carry out the battle that, that uh, he began on Calvary. And so he gives gifts to the church. We saw that he gives these gifts to people regardless of their uh, level of spiritual maturity. He gives the gifts without qualification. They are not limited to people in leadership positions. They're not limited to people who have the REVs or the DRs or the F-A-T-H-E-R in front of their name. Uh, They're not just for the religious guild. They're for all people who partake of the body of Christ. We saw that the, the, the gifts are for today. They were not to die out in the apostolic age. And finally, we saw that the primary use of these pneumatikoi, these spiritual gifts, are for, are for the purpose of interpersonal ministry, where they can be accurately discerned. They occur in personal ministry. They are to occur in small groups, in house churches like the Church of Corinth uh, was, probably 30 to 40 people. They operate very well in those contexts. They're not primarily used in a temple court experience that we read about in the Bible, the large gathering of Christians together, where it's much more difficult to discern the validity of of the gifts. And so if a gift is going to be used in a large group setting, uh, it needs to be carefully discerned by the people in leadership. This morning I want to just have a couple testimonies uh, about uh, how the Lord uses people in these gifts. I figure rather than talking about the gifts and being given an abstract definition, it'd be good to just to hear from some people how the gifts have been used. But first I want to address what I think is the most significant, most difficult obstacle that we face when it comes to thinking about God in a supernatural capacity energizing the church. Jesus always said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Throughout the Gospels you find that refrain, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to the measure of your faith, you shall receive. Believing that who God is, that God is God, the God who he says he is, believing uh, what he wants to do in your life is a prerequisite for having God do that in your life. But this is the problem. We modern Christians live in a worldview that systematically conditions us not to be open to the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. We modern Christians live in the legacy of the Enlightenment and the scientific revolution and the production of a Western worldview that tells us in many, many different ways that what is really real, what you can trust and what is really important is the physical world, the here, the now. And you can continue to believe, if you want, in a theoretical way, in supernatural things like God and angels and the inspiration of the Bible, what have you. But so long as we, to the degree that we accept this worldview that what is really real and what is really important and what really impacts our life is the physical world, the world that you can touch and taste and see and feel, to the degree that we accept that, we are not going to be open to the moving of the gifts of the Spirit in our life. It's hard enough to even believe in the supernatural at all, let alone to believe that God can use supernatural gifts in your life. Especially when we consider this century, which some social commentators have called the century of psychologism. We are heirs not only of a natural worldview that precludes the moving of God, a worldview that, that uh, explains everything in the world by something else in the world. There's a natural effect for every natural cause and a natural cause for every effect. But we live in a century that has applied that to our own minds. And this is what I'm talking about, a secular naturalistic psychology. 
I'm not talking about Christian psychology. I'm talking about that psychological view that says that what goes on in your mind and what goes on in your heart is all your own doing. Everything in the human heart, everything in the human intuition can be explained by something else in the human mind. There's the subconscious, there's the id, there's the ego, there's the superego, and everything that occurs in your mind, every feeling that you feel, every concept that you get, every impulse that you might be moved on with, every course of thought that you have is your doing. You did it. It's your creation. You maybe aren't aware of it, but it comes from your subconscious, you see, the superego talking to the id or, or what have you. It's the legacy of Freud. Now, what I want us really clearly to see is this, and this is so important. If you accept that assumption, and all of us to some degree, just by virtue of living in the 20th century, accept to some degree that assumption. The extent to which you accept that assumption is the extent to which you have just nullified the possibility of God speaking to you in your spirit, which is the place where God always speaks to us. If you assume that everything that goes on in your mind and everything that goes on in your heart and everything that goes on in your spirit is a result of your own doing, then you will not recognize it when God wants to move in your life. When God gives you an impulse, when God gives you a direction, God gives you a concept, God gives you a word, you're not going to acknowledge that that comes from God. This naturalistic psychological assumption has the effect of utterly undermining, utterly discrediting the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to the degree that we buy into that worldview. Sometimes people today find, most people today find prayer to be a very boring activity. You know why? It's because we, we define prayer as monologue, as, as us talking to God. Yeah, I talked to God today. We have a hard time with the concept of hearing God, really hearing God. And so you talk to God and you run out of things to say and then you're done. It's like, well, that was really interesting and that's, that, that's all there is to it. And you think that that's all there is to prayer. But in the Bible and throughout church history, prayer was never defined as a monologue. It was always defined as a dialogue, a communication, a dwelling together. Because the purpose of prayer wasn't only to talk to God, but the purpose was to also hear from God. And the way God speaks, the voice that God uses, the station he tunes into, is the station of our inner, our, our inner, our inner heart, our spirit. Our soul, and being able to identify God in those ways. But see, we have been conditioned to some degree, at least, by a worldview that says that every effect has a natural cause. And that assumption just undermines the integrity, it discredits the voice of God in our life. So God's talking to us, but we have the inability to hear it. We just think it's pastrami we had last night, or the voice of our mother-in-law in the past, or what happened. Sometimes people read the Bible and they, you know, they open the book of Acts and they see, you know, man, God in the book of Acts was really an exciting God. He did a lot of exciting things. He, he told Peter to go into, in, in, over to the household of Cornelius. And he told Philip to go preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he told Paul to go into Corinthian, to, to, to Corinth, but not into Macedonia. And he's always leading people, always directing people, always inspiring people, telling them what to say and when to say it and how to say it and who to lay hands on and who to pray for and who to heal. It's so exciting. There's a wonderful kind of supernatural spontaneity to the early church. You know, God was really real to them. God was orchestrating the whole thing to pull this church together. And sometimes we read that and we, 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 we lament and sigh and say, man, I wish God was like that today. Don't you wish Christianity was exciting like that today? Don't you wish God was speaking as clear today as he did back then? But I really believe, it's my uttermost conviction, that God has not changed. 
God has not changed. There's nothing in the Word of God that leads me to believe that God has substantially changed His program in the world today. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that God is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I really believe that God is speaking to His people as much today as He ever has. God is desiring to move into uh, His people's lives as much as He ever had. God wants the work of building the kingdom, which is His work, to be as supernatural as it ever was. If something has changed, it's not God. What has changed is the ears and the eyes of His people. Because we've been conditioned with a worldview that systematically conditions us not to hear it and not to see it. He said, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. But we've become, to some degree at least, sheep that have blinders on our eyes and plugs in our ears. And we don't know. We can't recognize. We can't tag the voice of the Master. We think it's our own voice. What needs to happen in the church today is what happened to Elijah's servant. Remember the story in, in, in 1 Kings chapter 6? Uh, Elijah was this great man of God, but got a whole kingdom ticked off because he prophesied against the queen. The kingdom sent out their army, and they were surrounded uh, uh, Elisha and, and, and his servant, and there's a couple thousand of them, and, and they were going to kill this guy. And, and Elisha had a servant, and the servant was totally freaking out because he says, man, we're going to die. We're dead meat. It's gone. This is, my, this is the boy paraphrase here. Was, King James says, uh, we're dead meateth. But, but, <laughs> but Elisha said, don't worry, because there's more on our side than there are on their side. And the servant thought he was gone, crazy, bonkers. And so the, the, Elisha just prayed in this prayer. He said, Lord, open up his eyes that he can see. Open up his eyes that he could see. Now, he could see physically just fine, but he couldn't see spiritually. And when the Lord took away the scales off of his eyes, what he saw was a whole host of angelic, an angelic army surrounding them. He saw the glory of God. And what needs to happen to the church today, and we just got to ask the Lord to do that, is for the Lord to move us to counter, to come against those assumptions that are not of God, that worldview that is not of God, the preconditions that color our, our, the way we look at the world and the way we look at ourselves that are not of God, and to begin to get us to move according to the commander-in-chief, to get us from, stop from being obsessed with the affairs of this foreign country that we're a part of, and to get our ears tuned to the master. But it means coming against, coming against. This worldview that influences us so much, and it's not always easy. Let me give you a, an illustration of, uh, of the struggle that, 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 that you go through when you want to begin to be used in these gifts. At Bethel College, about three, four, five years ago, I don't know, time's getting shorter, I, I'm getting older, and everything seems to accordion together, but some time ago, I was at a prayer meeting on Wednesday morning, and uh, I used to meet with these students, about 10 students, and we get together in prayer and praise, and it was really a fun time, and God would visit us. And there was a lady who was visiting the college there, that was the only day she was ever there, I'd never seen her before, never saw her since, I have no idea what her name is. But God knew why she was there, because when she walked by this little chapel that we were in, she looked inside and saw us all kind of, you know, kind of being charismatic or whatever, and she was interested. So she came in. And as soon as she joined our prayer and praise group, I have, and I got an impression about her. An impre and I don't know how else to describe it, but an impression. I would now identify this as a word of knowledge. And it was a bizarre impression, but it just, poof, there it was. I didn't know what to do with it. The impression was this. I got a picture of a, of, of a, of a, uh, steel box, a hard metal box, and inside this hard metal box was some manure, festering manures, moldy manure. It was a grotesque picture. And I got the impression, this is all the information I had, was, was deep wound and six months. Deep wound, six months, box full of manure. What are you going to do with that? Well, <laughs> and that's the way it goes, but that was the impression. Now I, 
being a 20th century person, and immediately thought, you know, weird thoughts. You know, my mind's playing tricks on me. Fantasy world. You know, stop doing that, Greg. Get focused. Let's start worshiping. Sing a chorus. But this impression wouldn't leave. And then you go, some of you have done this. Maybe a lot of us have done this, where you, you go into this, this totally futile, mind you, totally futile self-argument. Is this of me or is this of God? Me, God. Me, God. Is this of me or is this of God? I don't know. Maybe it could be maybe. Now, how are you going to settle that? Well, it could be. You can talk here for about five minutes and going back and forth. Well, it kind of looks like God. It might be of God, but it may be of me, you know. <laughs> Finally, I just got the idea that enough of this. Enough of this. I'm going to step out. And I just sort of stepped out of faith, and I said, I, 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 I communicated it this way. I was quite tentative, and I think it's good that when you first begin to use the gifts of the Spirit in small groups or in personal ministry, that you are tentative. If what you have is of God, you're not... If what you have is of God, it's going to land in a godly way, and it's going to produce godly fruit. Um, if it's of God, you're not going to need to go, Thus saith the Lord! To make it of God. You know, so many people think you've got to shout it if it's really going to be of God, or you're going to you know, be cocky about it. The Lord wants you today. You, you don't need to give it your own energy. So t- tentatively, and in a wise way, in a loving way, just kind of suggest what God might be doing with you. And so I just laid this out. I, I just said, I got a picture here. It's a bizarre one, but I think I'm supposed to share it with you. There's somebody in this room, I think, and I, I didn't want to pin it on her, so I just said, I think there maybe is somebody here in this room. And what, the picture I got is, is that of a hard metal box with some manure in it. And, and uh, <laughs> call it like it is. And somehow the box, I think, is there because you were deeply wounded about six months ago. Maybe the pollution in your life is, uh, it has something to do with, with bitterness. And, and now you're blocking people and other relationships out. But it has something to do with six, six months ago. And as soon as I said this, this woman began to weep and finally got into almost hysterical tears. And when she could finally talk again, she just shared with us that six months prior to this time... She had been dumped by her boyfriend of three years in a kind of callous way. And all of her friends that she'd had the last three years were all good friends of his, and they'd all turned against her. And this had caused a deep wound and a deep bitterness in her life. And she'd been, you know, that, been, that had been festering in her life for all this time. And it had gotten her so she didn't trust, it, she didn't trust people. She had blocked people out. And she, and she couldn't, she it was even blocking God out. That's what that metal, that, that metal case was about. And we were able to gather around her and pray for her, and she was able to open up that box and then finally turn the whole box over to God, and, and healing took place. That's how the gifts can, can, can be used. But it means sometimes daring to follow what may be an impulse of the Spirit. And you do it in a godly way, a calm way, a biblical way, but the, the, the point is that you do it. But it means coming against the, this, this world that, that, that we're a part of. It means, it means having a degree of openness to the Lord. So often our minds are preoccupied with the, uh, the civilian affairs. And the Bible doesn't tell us to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, you know, flakiesville, ethereal cloud people that don't, that don't get, pay attention to when they're driving or whatever. We we're part of this world, we've got to pay attention to this world. But to have an openness towards God that says, Lord, since you are my Lord, you have a right at any time for any reason to interrupt my ordinary affairs and direct me in a different direction. That's what I'm talking about. Just last Thursday, I got a call to do some really intense ministry. Thursday night, I got back about midnight, and, and there's a little uh, uh, a note that my, my wife left me. She said, Rob Felt called to say he was praying for you. He just got a burden to pray for you. 
And I just love when that happens. You see, here's a person, maybe he was watching TV or maybe he was reading uh, the newspaper or doing a chore, but the Lord put a burden on his heart because I needed some prayer support. We needed the Spirit of God to be involved in this situation. And God raised up people, one of whom was robbed, there may have been others, to obey and, and, and go into prayer for me. That's how the Lord operates. And when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation in the church in a biblical, balanced way, it's a way that God can mobilize his army on a day-to-day basis when we're open and desirous to be used of God in this way. That's when you really begin to see the supernatural dimension of kingdom stuff kick into gear. You see happen things that you could not have done on your own. That's why you see it's supernatural, and that's a witness that this is of God. No way could I have orchestrated Robert to, to be praying for me on Thursday night. No way could I have known what, what this woman was going through. God does stuff that only God can do, and that's what building the kingdom is all about. And that's what the pneumatic choir are all about. Now I'm just going to ask several people to come up and give a nice one-minute testimony about how God maybe has used them with, with one gift of the Spirit in their life. Rather than talking about the gifts, I, I want them to just share an experience that maybe they've had with the gifts, just so you get a flavor for, for the way these things can look. Uh, Carol, why don't you come and start us off? Give us a little testimony. And then, uh, who else did I have doing this? Uh, Paul? Well, I'll think about it while you're talking. <laughs> Stall, I need time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, if I, one minute. I've always, am I on? Yeah. I've always felt that it would be so neat to be used of the Lord, to speak a word of the Lord to someone to bless them. And uh, several years ago, um, we were the um, Sunday school teachers for the junior hires. And there was one boy in there that really broke my heart. He was 15, and he had a father that was an alcoholic. This man would come home. He would beat his wife. He would beat his son. Uh, there was just a lot of dysfunctional things going on in the home, and my heart was broken for him. And uh, his father didn't come to church, hadn't gone to church for years and years. Well, th- we had been praying for him for some time, and there's one church service that the love of God was so strong. It just was so beautiful and wonderful, and I just felt that the Lord was talking to me in here that I needed to share God's love. So in in a, an audible um I guess prophecy to the church body I shared how much God loved them and whatever it was and then it seemed like I was kind of sharing that people needed to get saved and I thought well this is really strange because I'm in a body of people that all know the Lord but I was obedient when I hadn't said that and as I opened my eyes I heard a or I heard a commotion and I opened my eyes and off on to the left of me was a group of people surrounding an, a gentleman that had come forward and was on his knees weeping and he accepted the Lord, and it was this boy's father. So I just really thank God that he allowed me to speak the word of the Lord to cause someone to feel God's love and to turn their lives over. Amen. Praise the Lord. Barry! Now, you know, just, just a little word here. I, we've emphasized that God you know, pours out his gifts regardless of where you're at, regardless of personality, style, you know, regardless of anything. And I want you to know that if God can use Barry like this guy can use anybody, I love this guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I uh, do a lot of speaking at camps and retreats and things like that. And about five years ago, I, I was raised in a family, that uh, Baptist General Conference family, so it was pretty uh, mid, mid-range uh, type family. Never, never uh, was involved in, in any of the gifts as far as I knew. I've never spoken in tongues to this point in my life, but uh, I was at this retreat now out in the Black Hills. About 100 students were there, high school students, and I was talking to them 
about giving their life 100% over to God and talking about the different areas and how sometimes I, I think uh, many Christian kids, well, I won't get into the sermon, but anyway, many, many Christian <laughs> kids get to, get to that point where they just don't give their life totally over to God and, and live, in, live Him conveniently. But anyway, I said, what I'd like you to do is to come forward and, uh, and talk to me if you'd like to give an area of your life over to God, and I'd like to pray with you. Now, I've never, I've never done that before at a retreat. It was just kind of something that just came to me, and I, I just, like Greg said, I just said, I'm going to follow this, and I just, just went ahead with that. And I went forward, and I asked kids to stand and come up and talk to me so I could pray with them about that area in their life. And about 80 kids out of the 100 stood and I was so overwhelmed by God. I, it was just one of those moments that, that God just took over. And I lost who I was for that moment. And I went forward. And as the kids came up to me, I told them what they wanted to tell me before they told me. And it was an incredible experience. Example, a girl came forward and said, uh, um, you know, I, I said to her immediately, you've been sleeping with your boyfriend. And she just looked at me. And then I said the boyfriend's name. I didn't know this girl. I didn't know the boyfriend. Just came to me. And as kids came up one after the other, that happened to me. Uh, I've had that experience now several times in my life. I never can predict it. I never know when it's going to happen. It has to be of God. Because there's certainly nothing that I knew and certainly nothing that, that could happen uh, just of my own knowledge. Praise the Lord. feel like we're on Spiritual Gifts Anonymous. <laughs> I'm Paul. Spiritual Gifts Anonymous. I'm a recovering charismatic. <laughs> oh, no, this whole area has been a real adventure for me. I grew up in, uh, came from uh, a Baptist home. I didn't know this, but my dad used to lead... Uh, camp Pentecostal camps which I didn't know about until we started this church and then all of a sudden he shared that with me that uh, but um, spiritual gifts were never really talked about that much I went to Bethel Seminary and to be honest I was kind of a cynic I was a, a you know I just believed that all that stuff just ended a long time ago and about four years ago I was uh, in Jamaica on a mission trip and uh, praying for a guy a bedridden guy in the middle of nowhere and he said I saw you preach and we said no you, that couldn't happen and and uh, he said, yeah, I didn't see with my spiritual eyes, I saw you, or I didn't see with my physical eyes, I saw you with my spiritual eyes. Told me what I preached about, I had just preached the night before about 40 miles away. And, and all of a sudden I went, you know, God, maybe there's a bigger world out there than I've given you credit for. I had put God in a box, and so I just said, God, whatever you want, as long as it's from you, as long as, it, you know, it's not something man-made or whatever, I'm open to it. And so I've been able to, to just see God work in some incredible ways in, in delivering sort of ministries and, and give uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. But I'll tell you, the hardest one for me to deal with was this whole area of speaking in, in uh, uh, heavenly language, speaking in tongues. In ninth grade, I was at a camp, Pentecostal camp, uh, nothing against Pentecostals, but this particular camp, I, I saw kids being forced to try to speak in tongues, and it was just, it was bad. It was just a very abusive situation. And at that point, I just said, that's not from God. That, and I shut myself down. When my, my pilgrimage with God, you know, saying that I'm open, I finally got to the point where I said, you know, Lord, even if speaking in tongues, you know, if, if that is from you, I'm open to that. For about two years, I just kind of prayed that, sought after God for that, for that gift, uh, and it didn't, it didn't come. So then I started to beat myself up. I'm not spiritual enough. Nah, I'm not good enough. I don't pray well enough. God's not going to give me that gift. And one night I finally realized what I was doing was I had flip-flop things and made spiritual gifts something that's earned. 
And I was saying to God, I'm not measuring up, so you're not giving me the gift. And finally that night, I just said, Lord, you know, I need to be okay with who I am in you right now, with what you're doing in my life right now, with the gifts that you've given me. I just want you to give me the wisdom to know how I can be the best person that you're working on right now. Just let me be open to that. Your gifts aren't earned. Your gifts are freely given. And when you want to give that gift, you'll give it, but I don't have to earn it. And lo and behold, uh, later on in that prayer time, I began to speak in uh, another language, Swedish. And uh, <laughs> it was a step in the right direction. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but it is, you know, what I've learned is that whenever God is working, and whenever, when, we, when we open ourselves up to God, when he works, it is done in such a gentle, tender way. God knows his kids. He knows what we're uh, ready for, and he gives those gifts. And, and I would just encourage you, just be open. You know, uh, speaking in the heavenly language has done wonders for my devotional life, my prayer life, you know, and I can see why God gave me that gift. But it wasn't something I earned. He just gave it. So I would encourage you, just be open to what God wants to do. Because there is a supernatural power that he wants to fill all of us with. And if we're going to be his ministers, if we're going to be his army, I don't want to shut that down at all. So, Amen. Robert. Roberto. Hey, Robert. Ro Robert here. I love this guy. Uh, and I want to borrow that outfit. It is red. I, 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 <laughs> next Sunday. Uh, Robert's a new father. I think we already mentioned that. And Robert also will be starting a, a new church on Sunday afternoons for people of Ghana. Uh, there's a lot of people from Ghana that just don't have a church uh, to go to. And so be praying about how you might want to be involved, if you want to be involved in this work that, that Robert's going to be about. And, and you're going to be giving us a testimony about healing, right? Get to healing. Amen. I, I grew up in the Pentecostal environment, so I love this kind of stuff. Uh, it comes very naturally. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that with me, uh, when I'm very weak, um, whatever the, the cause may be, and uh, in times of crisis, uh, it's just impossible for me to speak intelligibly. I just can't do it. Be it in English, in my native language, in Spanish, in French, I can't do it. It won't come. But God is so good that he's given me the gift of tongues. And so in those moments, it just flows out automatically. Hallelujah. And I, I edify myself. That's one of the purposes of speaking in tongues. And of course, I speak mysteries. Now, uh, getting to the end of last year, I had a very bad case of dehydration, uh, which landed me on the hospital bed for three bad days. And uh, I recall that the first hour at the hospital, uh, was very critical because I was in severe, very severe pain. I had never gone through that pain before. I thought that was my last day on earth. And uh, unfortunately, my wife wasn't there. So anyway, uh, and uh, I recall that for about 30 minutes when I was on, on, on the bed, uh, I was just moaning and moaning and moaning because I, I couldn't do anything. But then all of a sudden, I felt something welling up within me, coming up and up and up and up and up. And when he got here, boom, he started speaking in a supernatural language. And on and on and on, 15, 35 minutes, I don't know. But what I found was that when I was, I was done, I felt that the pain had subsided so much. And I calmed down, and I calmed down. And I remember that 
in the course of, of, of the prayer, I think I overheard a nurse asking me, sir, what's going on? Is there something I can help you with? And I, in my pain, I was trying to let her know that I was praying. And so she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said to myself, you don't know what I'm doing. Why should you be sorry? <laughs> I'm speaking mysteries. You're not supposed to understand it. It's just supposed to be a sign to you, the unbeliever. Amen. <laughs> and so the point I'm trying to make in this testimony is that in our moments of weakness, God uses our gift for us. Amen. And also, um, uh, it's there. It's there for all of us. And the, the other testimony, real quick, uh, this is about 12 years ago uh, when I was in college. There's this sister who had breast cancer, and uh, she, a couple of her friends were members of the Christian Fellowship. She told them they came to call me. I was very notorious in the fellowship. And uh, together we went to the botanical gardens to pray. And we started praying, you know, youthful exuberance. We were screaming and shouting, and casting the devil out and, you know, praying that this sister will be healed immediately. We're saying something like, God, you do it now or we are not going. We'll be here all day. And I tell you, we were there for a long time. <laughs> we were sweating all over. I mean, talking about Africa, it was so hot and we were screaming. And uh, we went on and on and nothing was happening. And then somehow, as though God gave all of us uh, a silent word of knowledge, we all began speaking in tongues at the same time. And we all laid hands on the sister. And guess what? All of a sudden, just like that, boom, the sister went crashing down. And it was on a cement floor. And so we were scared. And we knew she, she would break at least a bone or something. And so we looked at each other and we went down and touched her and made sure that she was all right. But she was still face down. And uh, we kept on praying for her. So she turned around a little bit. And when she turned around, she had her hand on, on her breast, her left hand, the left breast. And then we also saw that she was struggling to, to say something. She was struggling to say something. And then we, we knew that maybe God was going to give her the gift of tongues. So we continued praying. And then all of a sudden, she was to give her boom. She went on and on and hey, Baba, for about 15 minutes. And we were kneeling down. I said, oh, God, let this lady stop. We are tired. (laughs) So, well, finally she she calmed down. And then uh, when she came to herself, we we asked her why she was holding her breast. And she said she was feeling some pain. So we prayed a little bit more. And then we asked her to go back to the doctor and find out if, you know, God had healed her or not. So she did. Back home, you don't need an appointment. Just go see the doctor, which she did. And then three days later, she, she brought a report. Say, guess what? I mean, she was blossoming. She was so happy. Say, guess what? The doctor says she, uh, he did not find anything. And said, praise the Lord. Amen. And that was part of, um, what do you call it, a revival that God has started on the campus. And because of that, and other, several other things, the University Christian Fellowship grew from a membership of 120 in a matter of three weeks to 350. It was great. Why? Because the gifts, the gifts, they are great and they work. And they are for all of us, for you, for your children, and for your children's children and mine also. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, Robert. Amen.
And I, I know that probably for a lot of you, uh, this is um, uh, new stuff, kind of strange stuff. And that's okay. That's okay. Go at your own pace. Uh, but what I found is this. Uh, you, get, you just cannot put God in a box. If you want God to move in an extraordinary way, you've got to be willing to do extraordinary things.